Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 15th episode of the NHL podcast presented by the Hockey News. My name is Safir, joined by my co-host over here, Rahil. And Rahil, there's a lot going on in the hockey world, man. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Um, things have been going good. It's a long weekend. We're recording the day after the NA Finals, which we're going to get into. Um, I'm, I would ask you how you feel, Safir, but I'm going to be honest with you. I think the last three episodes, it's been nothing but bad Leafs news. So I'm not even going to ask you how you're feeling because I already know it. Um, and off that, Safir, let's dive into it. Like, bro, what are your thoughts about this whole Dubu situation? I just want to know how you're feeling. Are you okay? Okay, I, I have to say... To say the least, it's been a shocking week, like you said, right? Like nobody expected that Kyle Dubas would be like go essentially. Um, for me, like yeah, it's shocking news, but at the same time, I'm I'm I am optimistic. I, I'm hopeful that you know, well, we'll get a candidate that's gonna fit fit in uh, or fit the role perfectly for them. Hopefully, we go with some sort of experience. But I mean, it is tough. Obviously, it's it's shocking because Kyle Dubas was an exceptional general manager for the Leafs, probably the best one that we've had in decades, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think uh, I'll kind of give the perspective of anyone who's not a Leafs fan. Um, first off, shocked because like literally you had earlier in the week for those of you who didn't know, obviously Dubas was like, oh yeah, like I, you know, I, I kind of, I need to consider if I want to stay here basically is what he said. Obviously talked about his family being a huge factor for that, which I'm sure we can all attest and understand. Um, and then Shanahan was just kind of like, well, and I understand you said that now I need to reconsider. Now you're asking for more money. I don't know. The whole thing with me was just a mess. I know Steve Dangles pissed about it. I watched his video last <laughs> night. I was up late. I made some like leftovers. I was just watching it. Um, I think a lot of Leafs Nation is shocked. Um, I think a lot of Leafs Nations feels like this is a bit of a um, like not. I wouldn't say a backstabbing move, but it's a little bit of one of those like, hey, like you know, on the way out, like I'm gonna get you when you're not looking, which is unfortunate but i think for the rest of the nhl i think we should all be happy um unless dubas goes to a rival team of yours because dubas was um he had his bad moments obviously you yeah. know the nylander negotiations and stuff like that with marner too but i mean like the team he assembled this year was a really really good team they probably should have went far i think it's on the players that they didn't i don't think it's on dubas um and we could get into the coach and stuff like you know that's a bit too but I, I don't think you can put that much blame on the GM. And I think a lot of the hockey world is kind of shocked about just he's gone. And on that note, Sophia, like you said, you're optimistic. What do you think they're going to do going forward? Do you think they're going to look for someone younger? Do you think they're going to look for someone older? Do you think they're going to hire Mark Bergevin? I saw him on the betting odds. <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, Mark Bergevin, fantastic GM. 10 out of 10, I'd recommend. Right, of course, yeah. No, I, I definitely see those tweets a lot and, you know, mostly from Habs fans for sure. Um, but, yeah, you know what? I will say, though, it, it's interesting. The Leafs went, went with Kyle Dubas, who at the time was very inexperienced. is essentially his first go at everything. Um, and it probably took him a couple of years, but he, by the end of it, I think that he nailed the job and he he's figured it out. And like you said, not everything was a, a good move for the Leafs, but overall he had made a lot of really good moves, obviously, particularly in this year's trade deadline. Um, so moving forward, I, you know, with, with where the Maple Leafs are at such a critical time uh, in their franchise, I think they have to be very careful. And to me, careful also means an experienced general manager coming into the organization. So, you know, there's a lot of candidates out there. I hope they pull in the right ones. But what do you think? I don't know. I think they definitely do need to go with that experienced kind of GM at this point. I mean, you know, obviously it's going to be a very interesting 
I'd say next five weeks for the Leafs because you kind of have this, and this is what I think kind of is more of the shock about the whole situation is you the drafts in five weeks. Like, yeah, Martyrs no move clicks in in five, six, or a little bit after that, like six weeks. But like, there is a lot of decisions, and you either need to rush the process of hiring a general manager, or you need to take your time and then rush everything else. And I don't know where, gonna, where they're going to go with that. Getting an experienced GM will obviously help with that. There's rumors that uh, I think Brad Tree Living's kind of the unofficial front runner right now, um, mm. which mixed bag there because obviously Calgary isn't that good of a team, which is the team he assembled. But that being said, he, he's he's drafted pretty well. And I think, like, as a Habs fan, I'm a little concerned about that. Um, however, his on-ice results are a little different. So I, I don't know. I think he's a little <laughs> experience, but uh, I have a little bit of uh, – mixed i don't know i'm just i'm just it's so it's so um it's just so interesting yeah and and my my biggest concern too is it's with the uh austin matthews extension i i hope that we get that done and i have a feeling that the lease will be able to get it done but the sooner we we get a gm too it'll make that entire process easier as well Mm -hmm. so absolutely well, Rahil, obviously there's the second round of the playoff, or no, third round now with the conference yep. finals. <laughs> second round, I'm so like, traumatized from that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey, the Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes, man. Games one and two, both going to overtime. What are your overall thoughts, impressions, especially with that, what was it, four overtime in game one? Uh, yeah, I think it was it was twenty something seconds left in quadruple overtime, and mm. Florida wins. Oh yeah, that's and, right. And they won last night, and they're up two nothing in the series. And honestly, how about them Panthers? Like they, I, I said it episodes ago. They remind me of the Montreal Canadiens in twenty twenty. Sergey Bobrovsky literally reminds me of Carey Price turning back the clock, making that cap hit look like a steal. He was, I, I think, I can't remember if it was game one or game two. He had four point something goals above like expected saves or saved goals above the spectrum that's absolutely incredible listen i mean it's i would have loved for the panthers to go out early because montreal would have had a higher pick but that being said they beat boston they beat toronto they're now beating the hurricanes who had that whole kotkin yemi offer sheet thing as a habs fan i I, you know what let's go panthers all the way (laughs) why not man i'm looking forward to it but the really surprising thing is both games did go to overtime, obviously. I know one was longer than the other, but I think that's just a testament to how evenly matched these two teams are, actually. And on paper, you kind of look at, obviously, Carolina's missing two of their bigger players, and um, I believe it's uh, Svechnikov and Pacioretty. But that being said, like, Florida is – they're they're proving themselves. They're a pretty decently stacked-out team. Their defense is playing all right. Their scorers are scoring. Kachuk is an absolute demon – most marketable player in the NHL. So if you're, I don't care what anyone says, if you want to market your NHL franchise, you need a player like Matthew Kachuk. Don't you think so? Oh, absolutely. The emotion that he brings, the the charisma, and just his entire vibe on and off the ice is just like top-notch for me. And, you know, like looking back to the overtime winner in game two, the way he just like pointed right at the doors and left the, the ice. That, that was, that was amazing. It was like the confidence is there, you know, the, the, the team vibes are at an all time high. This Panthers team is doing absolutely amazing. And obviously Bobrovsky is still doing what he does, just keeping his team in it. And mm-hmm. yeah, this, this is a, a really strong run, a, a kind of a run that everybody expected from them last season. They're getting it now. And I'm starting to think, that Stanley Cup, man, it's 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 close to being a reality. Let's just say. 
It really is. It really is superior. And we'll dip aside to the other side of that as well. The Knights and Stars game two is going to be going down tonight on the time we're currently recording. But that game one also went to overtime, which, you know what? I'm going to just like, we'll talk about the Stars and Knights for a brief moment. But like, can we talk about the fact that these four markets, everyone was kind of like, oh, there's no like big team that, you know, like there's not that like big market team. All of the games have gone to overtime so far. Yeah. That is, I think that's a testament to how good these teams really are. And listen, Knights obviously won game one in overtime. I I, I think that series is far from over. I think that series is going to seven, Saphir. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I really do. I think it goes to seven. And, you know, Vegas dominated Dallas early mm-hmm. in game one. You know, like there were there was an outpour of shots on Ottinger, and he was playing really, really well. Um, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, the Stars also scored the first goal of the game. So um, it felt like it was going to be one of those games that Ottinger would steal from Vegas, it didn't turn out to be the case. But yeah, I think both of these series, both the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals, there's just so much going on. It's so exciting. Um, obviously, I'm more so enjoying the Panthers and the Canes series, more so than I expected and more so than many people that, uh, expected. But hey, like you said, it's, it's just uh, so awesome and so much fun along the way, really. Yeah, I'm excited to see how the rest of these playoffs go. And I'm personally um, giving my nomination for Matthew Kajak because I'm absolutely rooting for him. <laughs> um, I love the way my uncle, my uncle, literally, I was talking to him about it. He's like, yeah, that Matthew Kachuk guy is really <laughs> good. I was like, dude, I, I from now on, I'm calling him Matthew Kachuk. I don't even care. Like that, the That's way he perfect. said it was just perfect. I but that. we're going to transition to something a little different, Safir, because you had some interesting news over the week. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So, um, you know, earlier this week, I, I woke up. From my sleep, obviously, as humans do. That's the and- news. That's the news. <laughs> <laughs> he woke up. <laughs> That's the news, everybody. Um, yeah, I checked my phone and uh, I saw a message from Clappy on Twitter. And he invited me to join the Game Changers program at EA. And I was taken back by it. I was like, you know, it's a program that I've always valued and I've followed it for for years, actually, mm-hmm. uh, especially with my good friend Kesso uh, being a part of it in previous years. So when I saw it, I immediately said yes. And basically what the Game Changers program is, um, it's basically uh, it's a council of uh, players, passionate players coming together and, you know, giving feedback directly to the EA development team, directly with the with the producers as well, you know, perhaps having access to the early builds of like say NHL 24, giving feedback. So um, it's a great way to improve the game in different areas. You know, if you're a be a pro guy, a franchise guy, gameplay, you have people in each for each of those mm-hmm. represented in the council. So for me, it's more of like the gameplay aspect of it, but obviously also contributing my thoughts and feedback in other modes. And, and it's really exciting because Obviously, I want the game to improve in various aspects as well. So I feel privileged that I am uh, a part of this, and I'm very thankful for it, too. Um, It has a lot of benefits, too, when it comes to our podcast, right? So, you know, if you ever want to know the latest stuff, you know, whenever I get the green light from them, um, know that our podcast will have all of the details. Um, And the thing that I'm mostly excited about is that although I'm learning a lot about NHL 24 right now, I get to sit on a little bit, really understand it, because there's a lot of exciting things coming up for the game. So I'm really excited to share that with with you, obviously, and our viewers in the future. So you're basically saying you and I are going to play NHL 24 at the studio like in, like, July. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's allowed, but... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But honestly, like, you know, aside from just speaking on behalf of a co-host, but, like, you absolutely deserve it. So if you're, like... I, I do think like with the game changers, um, 
a lot of people look at it as like, oh, like you're just getting paid by EA to say good things about the game. Like, first off, you're not game changers don't get paid. That's you right. literally are just like a voluntary council. There might be like one or two benefits, but you don't get like extra packs or anything like that. Not. Mm-hmm. But I think the really good thing about this is you're going to be able to provide your feedback. And I think they have a good group of game changers right now. It is a little bit, it feels like we're in a little revolutionary spot because Ke- like some people like Kessel dropped out. You're coming in there as well. But I think the whole thing about the game changer program is, you know, a lot of people just look at it as this negative connotation when it really is just like people who are passionate about making the game good. Um, and like, honestly, I think we can all agree to that. Like, you know, if you're watching this podcast or listening to this podcast, you probably have played NHL at some point. You probably complained about it like we have. And, you know, like just because Sophia's a game changer, we're not going to like be like, yeah, NHL 24 is amazing. It's the great. If it's bad, we're going to be honest and say it's bad. Yeah. The game changers aren't like, you know, hiding behind EA or anything like that. You know, exactly. honest criticism is the most important criticism, I think. Um, yeah. I'm really excited. I mean, like, we'll, we'll see, but let, let's see if we can get let's see if we can get some EA people on here. That'd be pretty cool yeah. if we could have like a developer on the podcast. You know, I, I do have to say I, I did ask one uh, just uh, actually even before I was in the Game Changers program and, and they gave some uh, some positive positive sort of uh answer to me that that could be a possibility sometime in the future so now that i'm in the program that would be amazing if we can get somebody on this summer perhaps mm-hmm. uh especially when they you know release some news about the game and we can discuss it with them directly that's awesome um and that also I, I love your point about like constructive criticism that's absolutely right and you know that's also part of the reason we are in the program is to provide that constructive criticism mm-hmm. and like i also know that not every feedback will be implemented right and understanding so that it is a small team the, the resources are limited uh but obviously we we try to help guide them in terms of prioritizing certain things over others but also recognizing that it is a process and some things might take a couple of years even Exactly. You got to be patient with it. I mean, listen, I am. We, I think we talked about this when NHL first came out. I am on the conspiracy theory. NHL 04 was a good game. NHL 14 was a great game. NHL 94 was a great game. NHL 24. Like, I, I, I have a conspiracy theory. I don't care. 24 is going to be a good game. Call me stupid for being optimistic after 23. I don't care. I'm excited for it, Saphir. Um, and who knows? You maybe, have- maybe we can actually play NHL 24 early. We'll see. We can't, we can't show it. <laughs> we can play it. <laughs> I will say your your optimism is justified. I am I'm pretty optimistic as well from what I've heard so far. Love to hear that. Love to hear that. I think the next thing we want to talk about before we get into the NA finals, I know we need to get into that, but I'm gonna ask our producer back behind the scenes, Connor. Shout out Connor, you're awesome. Can you yes. pull up this screenshot? And what we're gonna talk about here, guys, is Junior Pens. If you do not know, he is a competitive NHL player. Um he basically posted his best to worst rankings of most of the nhls in i believe it was this century like from like the 2000s onwards okay i have so much i want to yell at him about (laughs) i'm gonna let you go first because i'm probably gonna go off on a five minute tangent on this i love that i can't wait to hear you tangent i'm not gonna lie okay i will say unlike most of the community i don't disagree with the list as much Obviously, there are some things that stand out to me, like, why is NHL 15 not the worst game? Like, NHL 14, to me, was a brutal product. Sorry, it, it was terrible. It was bare did you bones. Did say 14 was bad? No, 15. Sorry, did I say 14? No, you said, NHL you said 15. For, oh, oh so no. Weird. I was about to leave the podcast. Oh, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's a slip-up. I meant to say 50. 50 14 okay. deserves... Okay. No, fi- 14 is a top three game of all time. <laughs> Oh my, that, yeah, that's a bad mistake. It's probably because yeah. we're talking about NHL 24. But anyways, 15, 
that is the worst game I've ever played. Um, it was bare bones. It, it was just like there were no game modes. There's no game modes. You, you go into the mode, you get into a game, and that's it. Like I can play um, now. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the only excite. I think I think that was the year they had like new commentary and whatnot. Like mm-hmm. that was nice and seeing like the graphic upgrades, obviously from twenty or from fourteen. Uh, that was nice, but like the game was so bare bones. 21 as the worst is problematic. I would put 21 to like really good in my opinion. Um, I know 21 is was the most difficult game for players to adjust to because you could force the puck and you're yeah. you could not rely on your AI defenseman to pick it up. They would never pick it up. The game forced you to play manual defense. I feel like I got like I became an overall better defensive player because of NHL 21 like certain things like crouching to block a pass or like diving to block a pass Mm -hmm. are things that I learned during that year that I still carry forward with me yeah so it's it's amazing so 21 should be better um I agree with his rankings of 13 14 and 20 as the best games um and yeah and then I'm looking 18 was pretty bad like 18 would be terrible in my opinion mm-hmm. and the rest I don't really have an opinion I think 17 was pretty good okay. but yeah that's kind of where I stand with it what about what about you Rahil? Yeah, I've, so, been, I've been patiently waiting here <laughs> yeah oh I'm so ready late on there, there's one thing I'm gonna point out and I'm gonna ask you and I'd like anyone else who listens to the podcast and community tweet me at angry unangry bound guy let me know what your thoughts on this I don't know if it's just me NHL 06, I remember because it was iconic. NHL 07, I remember because it was iconic. Even NHL 11 to a point, NHL 14, 13. I feel like after NHL 14, every game feels the same. Like, you can differentiate a little bit, and maybe that's because I'm a little bit more of a casual player. I cannot remember, like, I didn't play 15 because it was terrible. 16 onwards, like, I can remember what's different. And I can be like, yeah, this was implemented. This was implemented. But it all felt very similar. And I think, I don't know if I'm the only one who thinks this, but I think if there's a lot of people who agree with me, that's a testament to how, like, stale it's been. Because I know, like, we've had rivals for four or five years, the same rivals, four or five years in a row. A lot of it's gotten stale. So I think I'm going to just preface that at first because that's kind of, like, where my rankings get a little mucky. Do you kind of agree, though, Severe? Yeah, I I agree, particularly because, like – I mean, recency bias effect here. I'm thinking about NHL 22 and 23 and how similar they honestly feel. Like and then even going back to 21, like it was different, but it was still kind of similar. Absolutely. 20 was different, but kill is still kind of similar. It's not really till you get like 18, 17 that there was, a, it was, it was recognizably different. Or like even like, yeah, I agree. Like the similarities from 22 to 23. And then I'm thinking about things like the goal line snipes, which went away in 22. That wasn't mm-hmm. 21, but it's back in 23. So it's like yeah. when you put it, it's like things go away, they come back, and it, it mm-hmm. seems like repetitive at times too. Yeah, yeah. I see it. So here's where I'm going to go. And and part of this is going to be nostalgia-based and all that stuff. NHL 13, 14, I agree, should be at the top. I think NHL 6 and 7 should be at really good. I think those, again, that is my age also being a factor, but I think – that those NHLs were like what like I grew up on. That's what helped me fall in love with hockey. I remember mm-hmm. playing NHL 06 with the Montreal Canadiens. I could never do any of the fancy Deke moves because that was terrible. And all I would do is I would manually adjust the settings so that all my players were 99. And I would just speed down the ice, cut in front and forehand it top corner every time with Saku <laughs> I don't understand how NHL 23 and NHL 22 can be up there. I mm-hmm. understand 
I think Junior Penz's rankings for these also factored in on how good he did competitively, which makes a little bit of sense. NHL 23 at at, at best, at best is terrible. I'm sorry. Mm. At best, it is terrible. And I'm talking about the game as a whole. Sixes is literally like I, I'm I, I start my new LG season tonight. They're banning. Big Tipper, Truculence, and Unstoppable Force. They're literally banning certain things in a competitive mode because they're too OP. And I understand a lot yeah, of no sports broken. do that. But, like, dude, I, I like, 23 should be down there. 22, I, I, and this is where it comes back to I don't even remember that much. I meh to terrible for me. I, I, okay. I don't really remember that. I think any NHL pre-NHL 14, they were all pretty decent. Um I think 14 onwards is when Hut really took off, like, and really started to grow. It did, yes. Um, but I think 14 is, and, like, a lot of people say, oh, it's just bias, blah, blah, blah. I think 14 is one of the great, if not the greatest NHL of all time. That in 1994, or 94. 14, you had the app where you could literally, like, buy and sell cards. Like, I was at school trying to, like, snipe cards and stuff while I was in <laughs> class. Um Ishul was awesome because you could just customize every stat on your own. And there was no, like, it was based off of how good you did in the XP. So it wasn't like, oh, I have to sacrifice here, but I only have a limit. It's like, I could just make my guy max speed, but it, then I can't make anything else because I have a certain amount of XP. Right. Um, Hut was awesome. Hut was great. There was those, um, and I know it's something small, but they had moments where it was like, Oh, like Jonathan Tave scored a hat trick in overtime to win. Recreate his overtime goal with five minutes to go in overtime. Like, I know that's small stuff and it didn't really like mean much. Like you got like 500 coins, but that was a way to tie the real life game into the video game. And I think that's when sports games do best. I always reference, I don't know if you play, ML I don't think you play MLB Severe, do you? No, I played it like very casually, but I'm so like MLB the show 23. Every literally, I think every week or every two weeks, they release like moments, and it's like the iconic moments of this week. So, what the Blue Jays pitcher like threw like a scoreless game or something like that. So, they're like recreate his final inning, and it's like mm -hmm. get three outs, but then you, you get to relive that moment, which is fun. But the thing that they do really well with it is they'll make it so that you relive the moment. And then you get points based off it, and the points are along a path, and at the end you get a really good player, and it's all no money spent. That is what sports games need to be able to tie that real life into like the actual sport itself. I think Twenty Three did a decent job at that, but I think the game is just completely broken. That mm -hmm. like, dude, like you you saw during the NA Finals, like one or two of those goals, I was like, what is the goalie doing? <laughs> yep, <laughs> the goalie. Thanks. So. Continue, Sophia. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no I loved, I loved hearing that. I, I think you bring up a lot of valid points. Um, for me, I, I liked NHL 13 because I think the skating system was like, yeah, totally new and everything, and and I really liked it. I know some people said that like the gameplay was a little bit too slow. Um, it just felt like you didn't have like good agility and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So like fair, but like it just it brought like a sense of realism to me. And I, I yeah. really like that. And then 14 was like a polished version. Um, for me, I'm I mainly played versus back then. So it's nice to hear from you, like that, you know, they brought in like the moments live thing and yeah. just really great. It would be awesome to have that back in the future, actually. Um, and then yeah, so it's nice to hear about HUD as well. I was not much of a hot guy, but for me it was it was mainly versus. Um, and I do have to say, I actually never played like 06 07 i didn't play 10 were awesome yeah i i did play 04 mm. um and it was this was before like i became like a true hockey fan it was just like 
I got on the game and, and I really enjoyed it. I really loved the fighting system in NHL 04. It was fantastic. That's what that I wanted it. to do all the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, it's an interesting one. Yeah. And I'm looking at uh, Junior Penza's GWC. Um, NHL 18, he plays second in the world. In 1920, in 19 and 20, he plays top four in the United States. And those mm. are the best I don't know why that's in, up there. <laughs> in 21, he plays top 32. And then 22, top 16, and then 23, top eight. I know he said that it doesn't, his rankings are not based on that, but I mean. A little bit, maybe. It's tough. Yeah. Before we move on, Severe, one final question. Where do you think NHL 24 is going to rank on this? Or sorry, where do you think it needs to rank on this for, for to mm. save NHL? Like, I don't think it needs to be best. I think it needs yeah. to be really good. I agree. It needs to be really good. And, and I know that like they're a little bit in a like a transition period as well with with like just like the games and everything. Um I yeah, I ex- yeah, it should be really good. Like it has to be at this point, especially with how 23 went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It needs to be I, really yeah. good. I agree with that. I agree. All right. Well, thank you Connor for putting that up for us. I think we'll move on now to uh the main cream of the crop story so if you're the NHL 23 North American Championship is over. Cad obviously North American champion defeating Jose in a best of three, uh, two to one overall impressions. If you're, how'd you feel about the whole thing? I loved it. The entire event was so much fun just to watch everybody compete. The players were, they put on a show. It was amazing. The broadcasters, Carlin, no sleeves and Grizz, they killed it as usual. Um, Every game, well, not every game, I guess, because obviously, like, there were some blowouts that we can talk about as well. But especially with how that started with Cat and Duncan. Um, but it was, it was just such a, it was a great show. It was very unpredictable, and I really liked the unpredictability of it. Yeah, I loved it too. Um, as Safir was kind of hinting at there, obviously, Duncan lost his game one. I think it was like thirteen to two or something like that. It was yeah. insane, and everyone was like Duncan, like no. And honestly, I'm gonna give him credit. The way he rebounded after that and was able to go in and play in the semifinals, absolute props to him. Um, one thing I loved about this that I don't know if I saw it as much at, at the GWC last year, there was a good amount of chirping. Like there was when, yes. like Duncan, <laughs> Duncan in one, I can't remember when at first Duncan was like really animated and stuff, but then like when the semifinals came, he was very dialed in and very still. Jose was like, dude, I felt like Jose was streaming on Twitch, like the way he was talking and chatting. I absolutely loved it. It was awesome, and just like it was just like that. Like it was like, yeah, yeah, that nah, no chance, buddy. Not going in, buddy. I'm just like Man, I would be so <laughs> rattled if I was on the other side. I don't know how anyone else did it. I think all four of those guys did absolutely amazing. All props to the four of them. Um, even if you, you know, even for Sky and Duncan, you guys should still yeah. hold your head up high. Um, that was very fun for a viewer perspective. And I think the really big thing for me was was Cad going five and one on the day. Like that is a dominant performance. To be able to go in, obviously go three and zero in the round robin, but then to literally th- that semifinal was took forever between Joe's and Duncan, and it for did. him to just sit there and wait, wait and wait and wait, and then hop in and still be able to win in three, man, good on you, Cad. Props to you. Yeah, and and Grizz Grizz nailed the the analysis too. He said that you know Cad might might start a little bit slow because he's been sitting as no sleep said four hours. Not that it was four hours, but it was a while. Um, and so yeah, Grizz nailed it. He said Cad's probably gonna start slow. Joseph will take it, but credit mm-hmm. to Cad, he still kept game one very close. You know, um, and then games two and three were literally nail biters. I mean, game three itself ended, I believe it was seventy six seven to six. 
uh, Cat scoring in the final two minutes. So great showing by Cat. Very impressed by him. And, uh, you know, like, it's just like when I think about Cat, it's, it's just so surreal to me because, like I said in previous podcasts, this is a guy who barely plays 1v1. Like, isn't that fascinating, Rahel? It's so fascinating to me because most of us, we grind the game like crazy to be at the highest level. You have somebody like Cad winning. Cad, you are officially my role model as an LG6s person. <laughs> um, I'm now determined to win NHL 24 uh, WC. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but on a serious note, yeah, I think I think that is impressive. And um, I think that factors into like something that contributed to him really being able to stand out. I wonder if that Sixes experience really, like, I don't know how exactly it goes over to competitive 1v1 because I don't play competitive 1v1. But, like, it couldn't hurt to have that extra experience of being able to, you know, understand as a unit how to play, and then now you control that entire unit. I don't think that hurts at all. And I, I do think that is a contributor to him playing well and stuff. And I think another thing that I'm a little intrigued about, a lot of people were like, oh, like, because he's, he's I think he's, he's from Quebec, right? Mm-hmm. So people are like, oh, QC, QC, QC. Do you think him being in Quebec and having lower ping when he normally plays would help him in a LAN? I don't I, know. I was thinking I, about that. You know what? I haven't thought about that. That's such a good question. But my immediate inclination, I might change when I think more about it, but my immediate inclination is to say yes. And the reason I say that is this. When I play West players like Sap Alien or like Owen the Blue or whoever, mm-hmm. the game is so delayed, right? It's incredibly delayed. Um, there's obviously a lot of top West players. And even talking to the others, like when I talk to them, they'll say things like, no, it felt fine for me. Or they'll say things like, yeah, I'm sure there was delay, but I'm used to it, mm-hmm. right? So thinking from the other perspective, somebody like Cad, I mean, I have no idea what Cad's ping is. Like, obviously mm-hmm. not everybody from QC gets two ping, but assuming he does, maybe he gets the other ping that half of the population gets at QC, yeah. which is like 18. But like, yeah, that could be a thing too. Like, you know, you're so used to that quick gameplay. Like I, when I think back to Leafs Gaming, that one event that I won, I started my day like 0-2 because I was like, wow, this game is like just too quick for me. Like, I can't believe everything is so smooth. Yeah, that could be that could be a factor too. Um, and then also like just thinking about Cat's history, like he was a versus Lord for like years. He used to like destroy me and like pretty much everybody. And he was often considered a top three to five player in mm-hmm. NA. But he stepped away from it for like a couple of years. And like, I know muscle memory is a thing, but uh, I, I do believe that he's also like naturally just talented and he has like an eye that not not many people do um, because the way he was scoring it well was outright impressive. And it's just like all just natural ability. Yeah, I, uh, I I do agree with that. And obviously with the ping thing, like we no one can really, like we're just kind of speculating on that. Like yeah. he could have 20 ping and then that's not a factor. But I yeah. do think that versus history in the past, you know, that, it's always going to be at the back there. You just need to maybe take some time to pull it back. And I, I do think that was a big factor too. Yeah. And then one more factor that I'm thinking about it. Cad was uh, the most experienced PlayStation player of the four. Like he played on PlayStation for years. Mm-hmm. However, at the same time, the controller on PS5, obviously it's, it's a lot bigger than the original PS4 controller, but it doesn't help that you have experience on that console too. Obviously nothing to take away from him. Like I did expect him and Joe's to make the world finals and they didn't. Yeah, I think that is a very good point there. And, you know, we'll touch base a little bit on um, his opponent in that final and how he got there. Joe's obviously defeating Duncan. That was um, that was interesting, Safir. Yeah, it was it was a great one. Like you said, like Joe started um, pretty slow, I believe. Who was his first matchup? He played 
so it was Cat I believe it was Duncan. I think it was Sky. Yeah. Oh, it was Sky. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And and he beat Sky, but then I believe he won one and two and ran Robin. Like he, mm. yeah. So it it wasn't the easiest route for Joe's, but Rahil, that semifinal matchup. I know you are very hyped. Walk us through it. I th- that that semifinal to me and and that final as well were the epitome epitome of what NHL esports needs to be for it to be good. Um, very very evenly matched between these two back and forth going at it like one guy would get a lead and the other guy would be like nope you know what that lead's gone in five seconds i don't even care you're done and it was so close it was so intense both games one and two went to overtime game three obviously was a little bit more of a final i think it was uh six to three or six to five i can't remember what the final score was in game three there was a margin there though yeah yeah there was and like i know the margin kind of came or the gap came like in in the final minutes when just started Mm. pulling away essentially um but yeah no and you know duncan he had his go-to scoring chance was like the rebound shot yeah and he was very close like and i mean very close if if certain bounces went his way uh in in the overtime periods like joe's dad get bailed on a couple of saves but if, if some of those shots had gone in like obviously the the story would be flipped a little bit and, and yeah. duncan would be at the world finals but like you said it was such a tight series um it could have gone either way and happened to go joseph's way and the reason it could have gone either way is because i'm sure you agree everybody uh played so well yesterday for the most part you know yeah like, I agree. Everyone played really well. That that semifinal was like the epitome of that, like I mentioned earlier too. Um, I think I'm going to give props to Joe's here too because Duncan I, Duncan did go one up in that series. Um, he won game one, I believe. And then it was oh, Joe's. Right. He, Joe's came back and then, you know, game two, knowing you're down, Duncan had the lead a couple times and he came, he came back. Right. Joe's he to battled. me was someone who battled and didn't give up and kept playing and kept playing. And he, he made his way to the Nashville now. He's going to Nashville alongside um, uh, Cat, obviously. And that, to me, was just the, like, that that was really fun esports hockey for NHL that I really enjoyed. And the finals were close as well. Obviously, not as much overtime. Um, obviously, you know, it was kind of like that, but it was still really, really good. Yeah, it was just uh, like a really fun series all around. And, uh, you know, we can also touch up uh, on Sky a little bit. I mean, here's a guy who a lot of people said that, you know, Sky is very talented and he's never shown up in a tournament. And some would suggest that he didn't. I mean, he played good. Obviously, he started really slow against Joe's. I believe he lost like 6-1 or in that yeah. first game. But then he had really close games against Duncan and Kat. So Sky, it wasn't – he didn't go lightly. You know, he went 0-3. But I will say I think a contributing factor to his loss is the fact that he had to play on a PS5 controller. He barely – I mean, he has – He's actually never played on the system at all. I know the mm-hmm. last few weeks he's played um, with the PS5 controller, but on Xbox, and uh, there are differences between the consoles. So it's, it's hard. Yeah, and I think that that does go into um, you know what we kind of want for the future of NHL esports too. Safir, it's like I think we need to get to a point where it doesn't matter what console you play on; you can play on what you prefer in any land. And you know, that, I think that does contribute a little bit too. But that being said, though, like. I don't think Sky, Sky, like you, you shouldn't have your head down. Like you, you were in the final four of North American players. Like that is good for you. And I think the thing is, is like you think about Jose last year had that experience of going to the land and playing. And now look at him now. I could see Sky kind of like he has a potential to replicate that too. We went to this land, obviously played good, didn't play good enough. But he's able to use that experience, build off that experience, and maybe next time he's at land, maybe he, I, I, like, I don't know, maybe he does better now. Maybe he turns, switches over to the PS5 now. Um, yeah. I think it's it's open there for him. I think you need to keep your head up high. Um, and then touching on Duncan a little bit as well, I think the future for both of these guys um, 
they're going to be around. They're yeah. always going to be in the mix of it. The one thing I'm going to asterisk on this is we had so much unpredictability this year with the G with just the world championship. Gren was out. Regs was out. Um, Polgs was out. Like, it's really interesting to me to see, obviously, how the finals go in Nashville on June 27th. But then when you go into next year, like, is this, like, is it just going to be, like, just as chaotic? Is it going to be, is there going to be some repetition now? Because we were used to so much repetition with Eki on the EU side, who's obviously still there now. But, like, Gren and Regs were just always there. You'd have an occasional other person popping, but it was always Gren and Regs. Gren and Regs. Now... It's like wide open. It's like, is that going to be a place next year now too? So I think for Duncan and Sky, it's really going to be about staying consistent because we. This is kind of the first year we really saw like a little bit of inconsistency. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and I think that they will. You know, they they'll carry this momentum forward for next year, and they're going to use this experience and and use it for next year, obviously. Mm -hmm. And to your point, with NHL twenty four coming out, and you know, there's going to be some heavy changes. I can tell you that right now. And so it's going to be very interesting from a competitive scene um, who is able to maintain their skill and, and who is able to adjust and adapt throughout the year. Yeah. And I think before we move on to the next topic, like I think all, all the competitive players and casual players are really wanting NHL 24 to be a better game because it's it's just we all love hockey. It's more fun to enjoy a video game when it's good about your favorite sport. But also even like for me, like this year, I did want to like not do great in esports, but like I wanted to try and contribute. By December, I was like, I can't play hot. Even by like November, I was like, I, I just can't do it. And I was like, I, I, I was pulling really good cards. Like, I'm pretty sure like, thanks to you, Saphir, I have to play hot champs this week. For those of <laughs> you who don't know, uh, Saphir, I was in his stream and he was like, hey, why don't you play hot champs this week? And I was like, okay, how many likes on my tweet? He said five. And I was like, <laughs> no, 25. And I'm at like, I got like 30 in like three hours. So I'm playing hot champs now, which is, it is what it is. But I have, I have four team of the years on my team. Like yeah. I built four team of the years. I have a couple X factors. Like I, I, I wanted to, and I think that's a testament to a lot of people who really want to play. And I, like, there's probably people who are like, man, I play hot. I'd love to have team of the years. I wish I could have done that, but that's just a testament to how much better we really want this game to get up here. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like we obviously we want longevity, right? And and that's like a main hope for me um and focus as well you know when when talking to the team is like how do we ensure that there's longevity in the game for everybody mm -hmm. regardless of like you know if you're into world of chill or or hot or just like casual um or be a pro or franchise or whatever it may be so we'll see yeah we'll see what happens um but i think the final point we're going to touch on so if you're obviously the kroger cbj 6v6 finale was going on this week week one went through um I love my 6v6 hockey because I just like for me it's just a unmatched esports experience. Um, but the observations for week one, Sophia, we obviously have the standings here. What are your uh, what are your initial thoughts? Man, I have to say, there's uh I know I know we're we're so used to some of the the usual teams at the top, right? You've got Isles GT, you've got Entourage, Caps Gaming, Composure, Scary Hours, like all those teams are doing fairly well. I mean Scary Hours number 14 right now. Look for them to to come within the top 10. Uh, but what I'm so intrigued by is the return of BBB. And so for those of you that don't know, BBB was a 
top three to five team, I would say, back in like NHL 2021, and they stepped away for a while. The team itself was spearheaded by Bones and Jemima, essentially mm-hmm. the founders of BBB. So they're making uh, a significant return. They're doing really well right now. I'm looking at the standings here. They're rank seven. Um, Rahil, it's just a feel-good moment for these guys who've been away for a few esports seasons to come back and do so well after week one. It, it is a nice testament. I mean, obviously, you got like, uh, you know, Bones and Jemima are obviously the founders there. But like, you you know, it's always nice to see these guys kind of come back and not just come back, but do well, especially yeah. when it's someone who's a little bit of that like legacy team, as you mentioned. And I mean, hey, listen, to be seventh right now, like that is impressive. The record is obviously six and two, um, but they looked pretty good from what I watched, Saphir. Um, I don't know. You think they're gonna? You think they're gonna stay in that uh, top eight range? Or you think they're gonna fall out a little bit? Yeah, honestly, like I'm, I'm very curious to see how they do just because of uh, some time off that they took. But I'm very hopeful about them. And um, you know, as we look at these other teams too, uh, Rahil, I'm looking at Voltage. Okay, so Voltage is really interesting. Oh, now, think about Caps Gaming and how that team was formed right through Team Prodigy. You had some one v one lords. Um, this year, this particular team has some very familiar names, Rahil. Yeah. So we obviously have Jose, OTB, but also uninstall on there, Saphir. And listen, those are some pretty good 1v1 guys. We were just talking about Jose not too long ago. And for them to be 8-0 through week one, like, man, and that's a brand new team that was from the Sharks Pacific, uh, Pacific Cup, Saphir. Like, for a brand new team to do that good week one? If they keep that up, man, like they're going to give teams like Isles GT and BBB a run for their money. No, that's exactly it. And that's why, you know, like this is the team on the rise. This is the team that's like making headlines now. They're giving me that prodigy, that team prodigy vibes to it. Um, and and I'm very optimistic. Uh, I really am. I feel like th- this is a team that could land themselves like a top five position sometime in the future. And, you know, this is why I'm so excited about the CBJ 6v6 finale. It gives a chance for these players to continue to gel, you know, continue to build on their competitiveness, their chemistry, because I know with NHL 24, there's going to be a lot more Sixes tournaments. So uh, I would say these are some of the teams to, to look out for, obviously. But, I mean, we'll see. I'm sure we're going to follow the tournament. It's It, it does go right until mid-June. Um, there's a lot to happen. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep everybody posted on that. Yeah, super excited for that. Listen, I'm wearing my Isles GT shirt that we got, <laughs> so I'm going to say I'm unofficially rooting for them. If there are any other teams out there that would like to send me merch so I could root for you guys, I, let me know. Reach out to me in my DMs. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm really excited to see how week two goes. I think week two is really going to set apart, like, if, if you see teams in the same spots or close to the same spots, that kind of shows like, okay, they're there to play. It wasn't just a fluky week, for example, because um, I can testament to playing LG. Like there's some weeks where it's like, man, like we went 4-0, we felt amazing, and then we play like bottom feeders and we just get absolutely smacked on. It's th- the thing with the NHL scene too, especially when it comes to 6v6, is it's just anything can happen. You that's have right. 12 players on the ice, and I think that's what makes it really exciting. It's like when you're playing 1v1, one person can make a mistake. When you're playing – or two people, I guess, can make a mistake. When you're playing 6v6, 12 people can make a mistake. A defender could have a breakdown. A forward could miss a back check. The goalie could be missing something. And I think that'll kind of help shape out how the rest of the weeks are going to go. Um, I'm yeah. excited, though, Sophia. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And like right now, the underdogs and Voltage, they're both 8-0. Um, and I will tell you that the, you know, the, the Blue Jackets gaming team, along with Lee Gaming, they they do feature some of these big games live on stream. So if you want to catch the action, you can go on the Blue Jackets gaming Twitch page, NHL Blue Jackets um, on Twitch. And so the way the, the scheduling works is that whatever seed you are at, you could be matched randomly to go up against a team seated 10 spots below or above you. Mm-hmm. And CBJ and Lee Gaming, they feature the biggest matchups, right? So there's a chance that we could see underdogs versus Voltage, and I would love to see that because both teams are undefeated right now. And I love that because obviously we have the traditional norm of like, you know, 1, 8, 16, 2 through 15, but that just adds some extra chaos to the mix. It's like, hey, man, we have this huge messing ball of chaos let's add some more chaos in there <laughs> have some fun and you know what you could run into a team like for example you could run into one of those div four teams they're like uh malevolent or however you say their name they're obviously they're sitting in 13 like what if they play someone in 23rd and then all of a yeah. sudden it's like hey like I, i'm in the second round now like i'm feeling good or you could be someone like scary hours where you're sitting in 14th and now you're playing entourage or isles gt and that's the unpredictability about it. The hype, it's awesome, man. It's it, yeah, it's it's definitely awesome, man. Like it, it shifts the standings like drastically from a night to night and a week to week basis. So like even though as we see these top ten teams, this could be all different depending on how things go with the scheduling. And the best part about it too is that the teams don't get like twenty four hours to sit on it. They are told on game day who they play. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I believe it's usually at noon and the games are at 9 p.m. Eastern. So not a lot of team, a quick turnaround, <laughs> but that's part of the excitement for sure. Man, NHLWC coming up, Safir. We got the 6v6 final finale with CBJ going on. I'm excited for the next couple of weeks of podcast. Any other final notes, Safir? No, that's it for me, man. Like you said, lots of excitement. And, uh, you know, we, we, I look very much forward to discussing some of these results. I think it's going to be an interesting ride for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully next episode we don't have to talk about the Leafs that much because I think you do need a well-deserved break from that. (laughs) Um, But on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching and listening to episode 15 of the NHL podcast. We will see you guys next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.